so cool to have so many of you here. Uh, do you want to hear a couple of cool things? Yeah. All right, I was going to skip over if you didn't say yes, but firstly, last week was our largest attendance on a regular Sunday in three years. How cool. Really, really cool. And then I just want to praise God. In, in December, uh, our giving was up 16% over the last year. And wait for it. That does not include the generosity of the Christmas offering. That was on top of all of that. And so your generosity has meant that we've been able to continue uh, this movement that you know about, that we want to increase our impact in our local community, working with missional partners. And so I want to introduce you to Pam Watson, our missions pastor. She's been on staff for seven years. Would you welcome Pam? So we sent uh, Pam out on a kind of Santa Claus mission to give some checks to uh, a whole lot of our missional partners. And in doing so, she had a couple of really great stories and I could share them, but I thought even better, Pam, would you share? You started at uh, the Raleigh Dream Center. Uh, share what happened there. Thank you, Pastor Reese. Um, as you remember, early December, we were having a conversation in your office about human trafficking and how it's on the rise, especially right here in North Carolina in our home state. And so as I visited the Raleigh Dream Center, I sat down with Jeremy, who's the director there, and I said, just tell me what's happening with Raleigh Dream Center and what's your vision? And he began to share with me their next steps vision of opening up a home for women who are coming right out of trafficking. And he said, that's what they felt like they were led to do next in that ministry. And so as he shared that, I was able to slide an envelope across the table to him. And when he opened up that envelope and saw the generosity of New Hope Church, he just began to shed tears. He said, this $10,000 check is going to help our mission move forward. Come and on. it's a confirmation from the Lord. Come on. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. And then you visited Glenn at Fathers Forever. So tell yes. us that story. What happened there? Sweet Glenn and at Fathers Forever. If you remember, Glenn and the team was here just a couple months ago with us. And if you need a reminder, they are a ministry that partners with men that are coming out of incarceration. And they believe in the family unit, so they're trying to reuni reunify families. And so there was a particular gentleman who um, went in the program in October. And if you also remember in December, your generosity provided almost 400 gifts for children um, in our local community. And this gentleman received one of those gifts and he was able, it opened a door for him to give his daughter a gift for the very first time. And because of that, the caregiver saw the transformation in his heart and they invited him to go and be a part of a Christmas service at that little girl's church. And he was able to see his daughter in the Christmas program at her church for the very first time. Wow. Because so, of our gifts. So good. So good. <clears throat> so Pam went on uh, representing New Hope Church and gave checks to Durham Rescue Mission, uh, Design for Joy, Note in Your Pocket. We also sent a check to Convoy of Hope and then this past week, we released $25,000 to our partner church in the Dominican Republic to buy the land behind their church so they can expand for Compassion Kids. So, very cool. Very cool. Thanks, Pam. 
So I love being able to share with you how your generosity is impacting uh, our partnerships. And I want to bring this moment uh, to our tithes and offerings that we do every week. If you're visiting, please don't feel any pressure to give at all. But if you've come prepared to give, you'll know the black giving boxes at the back of the room. And many of you give online and are really appreciative of that as you put God first in your finances. Hey, a couple of announcements. In two weeks' time, we have a special baptism service, which is going to be cool on January 29th. And a prerequisite to being baptised is to do our baptism classes. And so we have uh, ones for kids immediately following this service. We have students on Wednesday night and the following Wednesday night. But for adults, uh, there's a class also immediately following today's service. So if you've never gone public with your faith, maybe you have questions about baptism. If you want to head to the tent in the lobby straight after the service, uh, you can hear about that course and that's where you'll hear all the answers for your questions and so forth. And seeing Jalen down here, who was on the video, getting baptised in two weeks, so very cool. I just realised I haven't played the video of Jalen yet, so you guys like... <laughs> when you see the video in a few moments, that'll tie in and Jalen's all embarrassed, but... Proud of you, brother. Yeah, teaser, thank you, thank you. Uh, baptism. Hey, this Friday night, if you serve anywhere in the life of the church, it's time to celebrate you. And so we're having a big volunteer party on Friday night. And so uh, most of you have registered, uh, hundreds of you have registered. But if you haven't yet, um, if you could go to the tent straight after the service and register for Friday night, we have a special guest coming. And we're just going to say thank you to all of our volunteers who make uh, this church happen. We're so grateful for you, and it's time to celebrate you. Uh, lastly, next week is the beginning of our winter discipleship courses. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. A whole lot of different opportunities on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights for you to grow in your spiritual life. And we talked last week about the Alpha course. If you're new to church and want to learn the foundations of the faith, Alpha's for you. Uh, but if you have been following Jesus for a long time, maybe you've moved to the area, moved to this church, you want to learn more about connecting and membership at New Hope, then the Rooted course is for you. And here's a video that has who in it? Jalen, yes, that's right. right. So watch this video. I started going consistently to church when I was 10, 11 years old. That was when I started getting curious of what things God had in store for me. I was a believer for as long as I can remember, but it was really in about college where my faith became my own. I needed to figure out where I fit, what I believed, what I wanted to pursue, and who I wanted to center my life around, which ultimately was Jesus. I feel like this would be a good time for me to be able to give back to God since he's blessed me in a way that I cannot even imagine up to this point in going into Rooted. We knew that we wanted more than just to kind of show up every Sunday and leave and have that be the end of our kind of interaction with New Hope. We wanted to really um, plant roots here and, and build kind of, again, that community, that, that group of friends um, with whom we could kind of do life together. So day one was, was quiet. <laughs> Not a whole lot of us knew each other. We all kind of came in with our small little groups. People knew one or two other people. By day five of going to Rooted, it was like you were walking in and you were talking to family at that point. It was common for us to start our weeks completely off topic. 
Um, but I think that just goes to show how well we all got along together. We wanted to hear how each other's weeks were, but we did definitely dive deep. There was a lot of wisdom in that room. I feel like it brought new discernment. It allowed us to see things from different points of view. But we also um, really encouraged each other to ask questions, um, whether that was something that came up in the rooted readings or that was something that was just going on in their, in their own faith journey. Um, and then our group was really supportive in providing answers and encouragement as best we could. One of the biggest things that I learned through Rooted is that our mission never stops. There's always somebody who needs a helping hand or there's always somebody who needs to hear your testimony. Through Rooted, I found community. I didn't really know a ton of people here before Rooted, and now I have people that I know their names, I know their stories, uh, I know that they know me. It's nearly impossible now for me to walk into New Hope on a given Sunday and not have someone who's asking about me or, or asking how my week was, how I'm doing, what's going on in my life. The Rooted experience was really good for me because it gave me guidance and what my next steps should be. So now I serve with New Hope students. Having that figure or that role model that you can look up to, being able to relate to somebody who's been through that experience a little closer to them in age, that in itself, if I did that for the rest of my life, it'd be worth it. Well, we are day 15 of our 21-day fast. How are you doing? Yeah? So uh, last week, I talked about uh, this. I asked this poignant question, what are you contending for in this 21-day prayer? What, what does that mean? It means what, what causes you to posture before God with desperation in these 21 days? I can tell you, uh, day 10, uh, this past Tuesday, uh, I've done several 10-day fasts before, and so maybe my body was like, ah, we're done. And um, I had bad news for my body. No, we're not done. <laughs> but I had just the hardest day on Tuesday, and I was studying for this message, and my body was just like, hey, we're done, right? And uh, my beautiful wife uh, made tacos and nachos with cheese that went forever, right? And so I sat down at the kitchen table with my family and I watched them eat these tacos and nachos as I had a glass in front of me. And there was this moment where I had to contend for what I'm desperate for God for, and that is, rather than nachos, I want the presence of God in my life. See, this was a moment for me just to look straight in and say, what do I want? You see, in the Old Testament, Esau gave up his birthright because he was hungry to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Mine was a bowl of nachos with cheese that went forever, right? <laughs> and I sat there and then my kids had this moment. They looked at me with a mouth full of nachos and they said, we're proud of you, Dad. <laughs> I said, I bet you are, right? But I wanna ask you, when is your nacho moment when you would say, I want God more than I want physical nourishment? You see, C.S. Lewis said, we are not a body with a spirit, we're a spirit with a body. So what leads our life? Does the flesh 
and our desires of now, instant gratification, or is it seeking after the things that are not of this world, but are of the kingdom of God? And so I did not have nachos that night, okay? And I'm with you on this journey. We are day 15. Now, we have one week to go. If you haven't jumped into this fast, um, you are welcome to do it. We've got seven days to go. You can click that QR code, go to the website. There's an informational video you can watch on fasting. You can get our devotions that are dropping every morning and be part of this journey. Because God is doing something in the life of our church in these 21 days. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. All right, so we're on this uh, series called Following the Way. Following the Way of Jesus. And week one, uh, we looked at what are we gonna be anchored to that's firm and secure in the year of 2023. And then last week, we looked at prayer and the model that Jesus gave us. And remember, there were five memorable movements that Jesus gives in his prayer. The first is that you honor God and it changes the atmosphere of your prayer. Uh, second is you submit to his will over your will. Third is you ask his provision for today. Then fourth is forgive. Would you forgive, uh, ask God to forgive in areas of your life? And then lastly, help. Help for the challenges that are ahead of you in your life. Well, last week, I kind of tipped my hat to what I wanted to talk about today, which was part two in prayer. Because last week, I talked about the content of prayer. What do we pray? And today, I wanna talk about the process of prayer. And I wanna acknowledge uh, Pastor John Tyson in my study, as well as a famous uh, sermon by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called A Knock at Midnight. Now, speaking of Dr. King, uh, I was very privileged to come to America in 2003 and join a church in Nashville that its culture was every year for MLK weekend, uh, we would honor the life and legacy of Dr. King. So I came to this country and to church and it was just normal. I, I moved from Nashville to Chicago and joined a church there and that was the same it was just every year we acknowledged Dr. King. I just thought it was normal. Then I came to this church, and here at New Hope, we honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And so I may have been somewhat naive to learn of a recent poll of 157 churches in regards to this day this worship service. 46% said they will not be referencing Dr. King today. A further 35% admitted it hadn't even entered their mind to acknowledge him today. So that leaves only 19% that are acknowledging Dr. King. And so let me say, I am proud to be numbered among you who demonstrate a loud expression of the beauty of diversity. <clears throat> who hold the value of honoring the legacy of Dr. King's contribution to the church and to racial reconciliation. Now, I wanna uh, confess to you, I asked my friend, Pastor Harvey Carey if he would come and preach today? And he said, no. 
He said, I'll come next week, which he is gonna be here next week, by the way, which is awesome, right? But he said, I could come today. But he said, your church will know that I value honoring Dr. King. He said, Reese, we were driving along in the car, I couldn't escape him. He said, Reese, does your church know that you value honoring Dr. King? How do you know someone's a friend? Because they challenge you. And so I'm here to stand before you on this particular day to say I don't stand here acting like I have any answers. I don't stand here to politicize this issue. I don't stand here to say that things are as bad as they were or as good as they could be. But I do stand here to press the issue of ethnic ill will on our conscience in the name of Jesus, who came to us when we were more ill-treating of him than anyone has ever been. My point is to lift up Dr. King because of what he stood for, for the necessary and amazing achievements of civil rights uh, in the civil rights era in which he was a key leader. We who follow the way of Jesus are called to see things through the lens of the gospel. Let everything point to Christ and him crucified. And if we ever wonder, is ethnic diversity and ethnic harmony a Jesus blood issue, then let me remind us of the description about Jesus recorded in Revelations 5.9. It reads, and they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you, Jesus, were slaughtered. Your blood, Jesus, has ransomed people for God from every tribe, from every language, of every people, of every nation for the glory of God. Amen? So week two of prayer, I wanna ask if you're able, if you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. I'm gonna be in the same text last week as we looked at content, today we're looking at the progression of our prayer. And I start in verse five, and it reads, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. For if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So looking at the progression of prayer in our lives, 
The first stage that Jesus lays out is to ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Sometimes we over-spiritualize prayer. Sometimes Jesus is simply calling us, not in an attempt to be too mature, but just to lay it out straightforward. Here is my need, please need it. Please meet it. C.S. Lewis wrote, lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Ask and you shall receive. But we need to acknowledge there is a progression, a, a, a process in our prayer life, a progression in our spiritual lives. When we're young in our faith, God can almost be playful in answering our prayers. Let there be no line at the restaurant, God. And you walk in and there's no line and you say, thank you, God, right? God, I'm, I'm gone through this thing with my friend today. If my friend could text me, that would be a sign and you get a text from your friend. You're like, oh my goodness, God heard my prayer. Or maybe the most famous of all, let there be a parking space at the mall and you arrive and someone pulls out and you pull right in and you just say, to the glory of God in heaven. <laughs> it's where we're learning to lean on God in our lives, to, to bring those things before Him as we build our relationship in prayer. Author Richard Foster writes, as we are learning to pray, we discover an interesting progression. In the beginning, our will is in struggle with God's will. We beg, we pout, we demand. We expect God to perform like a magician or shower us with blessings like Father Christmas. We major in instant solutions and manipulative prayers. As difficult as this time of struggle is, we must never despise it or try to avoid it. It is an essential part of our growing and deepening in things spiritual. To be sure, it is an inferior stage, but only in the sense that a child is at an inferior stage to that of an adult. The adult can reason better and carry heavier loads because both brain and brawn are more fully developed. But the child is doing exactly what we would expect at that age. The first stage of prayer is simply to ask. When uh, Steph and I were early weds and we came to Nashville, uh, we rented a house in a really beautiful neighborhood. We loved this neighborhood. And a couple of years in came the time for us to buy our house and we looked around at other neighborhoods and nothing seemed to work because we just had our hearts set on this particular neighborhood that we already lived in. Now it was a small neighborhood and it had uh, you know, one entrance in and one entrance out, and it's kind of a large loop with cul-de-sacs running off it and so forth. And so very few houses were ever for sale, and when they are, it was really popular and they got snapped up straight away. So when we started uh, to ask God for a house in this neighborhood, there was like two houses on the market. They were five bedroom, right out of our price range, and we had no kids, and so it was not appropriate for us. And so this one Sunday night, Steph said, let's, let's go on a prayer walk around the neighborhood. So we go out and we're just asking God, God, we just want a house in this neighborhood. And we get to kind of like the third cul-de-sac 
and we're on the other side of the road, and there's just four homes in this cul-de-sac. It's a small one, and the one right in the middle, Steph points at it, and she says, that house. And I said, yeah, I could, oh, that's a nice house. I could, I could do a house like that. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 that house, that house. And so we asked God for that house. This was Sunday night. On Monday morning, the owners put a for sale sign out the front of that house, and by the end of the week, we had signed a contract for that house. We were just simply asking God. And my wife pointed at the house she wanted. It wasn't on the market, and the next day, it was. Now, I need to say, before I move on from this story, I immediately put her in my car. I drove to the Ferrari dealership. <laughs> I said, point, any car, any car, just point. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> but there was something about our faith that was just audacious. Yeah. Our, our petitioning of God was just to simply ask him, God, would you give us a house in this neighborhood. And there is something that God does when he loves to give good gifts to his children. And particularly when you're early in your prayer life, you're learning to lean on God. He can sometimes be playful. He, he delights in answering the prayers of the new believer. It's in his nature. The brother of Jesus said, you do not have because you do not ask God. But God calls us onward. To progress in our prayer life, to grow in deeper spiritual understanding. For if we don't, we risk forming a flawed theology of a God who is simply reduced to that of a wish genie. So the second stage of prayer is to seek. The scriptures say, you will find. God calls us to seek him in prayer. Now don't miss this, this is not a subtle but a major shift in maturity. This moves us from getting God to do what we want to learning the rhythms and to recognize and to seek him as a person. This progression is not without its struggles. Sometimes, simply because things were kind of easier in the first stage. You, you asked God and he seemed to answer. And in this stage, God the Father is moving you on. It's, it's progressing in faith. He's teaching you more of him, more about who he is. He's discipling that you would recognize his hand and who he is. But initially, it feels a little bit like the prayer faucet has been shut off. Again, James, Jesus' brother says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. See, at this step, at this stage, we need to understand that there's a, a big invitation happening here. God is moving us forward into a deeper relationship with Him. A deeper relationship with God will bring about something that is more life-giving, life-sustaining, and life-fulfilling. It is the way of Jesus. 
It is what it means to follow him. Pastor John Tyson says, to know who he is and not just what he can do. To know his face and not just his hand. To know his heart and not just his power. Not only about outcomes, but seeking is about searching for the God opportunities in our daily lives. Dr. King was known to do this by prayer-centered retreat days, or as he would refer to them as a day of silence, during which he got alone, burdened by the weight of enormous responsibilities. Dr. King poured out his heart to God. It was on these days of silence that he forged through retreats an intense intimacy with God. To know what fueled his ministry was seeking after the heart of God, this personal connection with God, this personal connection with the God who loved him. The psalmist writes, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. So Steph and I moved to Chicago and we found ourselves again looking to purchase a house. This was different, it includes a point, but I'll get to that. But this was different, this was, we weren't living in a neighborhood that we, we wanted to ask God for. We were in a different posture. We were seeking the will of God. We were seeking after God. Where would you have us live? And this is how we did it. Uh, the congregation that I was pastoring, uh, I got a drop-in map of where all the congregation lived. And as I laid out that map, I, I did a radius circle in the middle of it. And in the middle of that circle, uh, I did a big X. And we started to seek God and we said, Lord, would you have us pastor these people well and have us live right in the center of where this congregation lives? And so that was how we prayed. We didn't pray for a particular house in a particular neighborhood or anything like that. We just simply said, God, we're gonna believe you. We're gonna seek you to land us in the center of your will. So again, Steph said, why don't we jump in the car and, and kind of do a prayer drive and just drive the streets of where this X is on the map. And we came across this house. I still remember it now. We called it the, the Red Door House because it had a red door. Um, <laughs> and I still remember the address because we prayed so hard for this house. It was 712 West Street. And I would drive there and park out the front and pray, not entering onto the property, but pray in front of it. And God, would you give us this house? And it was not in God's will. We were seeking God for his will for us. And this particular day, we drove from that and we drove onto another street. It was still right in the center of the drop pin of the congregation. And we, tried, and we came to this house and Steph pointed at it. Now, I didn't even take a second look because it was being remodeled, like it was being flipped by uh, a developer. And, you know, I, I just assumed that whoever was doing that was gonna move in there. And Steph said, you need to go and knock on that door. Now, husbands, I'll tell you, if you have a praying wife, 
often the voice of God sounds a whole lot like your wife. So I got my butt out of the car and I went and knocked begrudgingly. I'll just, you know, I'm like, this will take like two seconds. I'll be back in the car and I knocked on the door and a construction guy came and he yelled out to the developer. The developer came to me and he said, hey dude, we're like, we're three months or something away from this going on the market. But if you guys wanna buy it, you could choose the flooring, you could choose the paint coloring, you could choose the appliances and you could choose the paint colors. By the end of that week, we had signed a contract for that house. That house was right on the X in the middle of that map for the congregation that we served. There's something about when God progresses us in prayer where you just say, it's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. And then you go on this beautiful journey where God leads you to His will. See, in prayer, we are to progress from simply just asking to moving to seeking after God and what He would have in our lives. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. See, this is often misquoted because we get so drawn to the second part of that verse. Giving me the desires of my heart. God's actually drawn to the first part of that verse. When he sees his sons and daughters seeking after him and delighting in the Lord. When you delight in the Lord, he shifts the desires of your heart to be in alignment with his will. And you find yourself moving from the red door house to the remodeled house that you get to move in with brand new stuff because God didn't want us at the old red door house. It was His will when we would get to a place of delighting ourselves in the Lord. Yes, yes. Then He brought the desires of our, house, of our heart to have a house. This is a beautiful stage in prayer, don't get me wrong. You see, listen to this. When, when our prayer lives moves to seek Him and to find His will, God does something here. He begins to invite you into partnership into His work here on earth. Instead of just simply asking God, you get to be part of what He's doing on earth as you submit to His will. You seek after the things of God in your life. And God will bring the desires of your heart. The third stage in prayer for us to continue to go deeper in our relationship with God is to knock. Yes. Scripture says, if you knock, and the door will be open to you. Yes. This is somewhat an obvious stage, but let me say it, it's God teaching us perseverance. Yes. He can give us at the point of asking. Yes. He can respond to prayer in our seeking, but our loving Heavenly Father teaches and disciples us by bringing us to a place where He asks the question, what will cause you to be desperate for the things of God in your life that will cause you to get to midnight and have your midnight knock? This is what it means to knock and the door will be open. But we know it smacks in our face of our comfortable lives. 
God, if you can hear my prayer at midnight, you can hear it at 8.30. We don't like to wait. Our instant gratification, our microwave generation, we struggle to stay at this stage of depth and remain in God, in the perseverance of prayer. Above all else, I want the movement of God in my life. I will do anything but persevere in prayer. But get to the midnight hour. What do we contend to? You see, at this level, at this stage of prayer, when it comes to knock, it takes us to the depth of reality in our own prayer. Here it is. Are we prepared to push and persevere for God's will or settle for our own, wait for it, wrapped in spiritual dialogue? You see, I I know what it is to get to the 8.30 hour and be done and say, all right, I know if I put some Christianese on this and some (laughs) disciple jargon, I'll wrap this in spiritual wrapping and I will present it to those who are walking with me in my faith journey. I didn't persevere in prayer. I didn't get to my midnight knock where the door would be open. I just simply settled for my will, but I disguised it. And I shared it with those around me who love and care for me, and I bet you I can sell it. With like special church talk, I can sell it. And you will believe that I heard from God. There is something that God does when we deeply desire His activity in our lives. It's so different when we give up at 8.30. See, God in His loving discipleship of us is not answering at 8.30 and it often doesn't come at nine or 9.30 or 10 at 10.30 or 11 at 11.30, but at 12 o'clock, At the midnight hour, when you come to your door and you say, I have persevered in prayer and I am knocking on the door of heaven, God opens the door. And there's something different that's happened in your spiritual walk because the door didn't open at 8.30. You gotta see that He loves you so much. He doesn't wanna leave you at the first stage of prayer. He wants you to progress in your spiritual life. He wants you to know what it is that above all things you will seek Him and Him alone to be the source of your hope, your well-being, and the answer of the desires of your heart. And sometimes that will only come with your midnight knock. Let's be resolved to not give up at 8.30. Jesus didn't. The writer of Hebrews recorded this. Listen to this. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. This is how Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed with tears of passion to his Father. How much more 
Shall we continue to follow Jesus' example than to spend time in fervent cries and tears before God? Eugene Peterson warns us, be slow to pray. Praying puts us at risk of getting involved with God's conditions. Praying most often doesn't get us what we want, but what God wants. Something quite at variance with what we conceive to be in our best interests. And when we realize what is going on, it is often too late to go back. (laughs) In Dr. King's famous sermon, A Knock at Midnight, he says this, as in the parable, so in our world today, the deep darkness of the midnight is interrupted by the sound of a knock. And in our day, it is the knock of the world on the door of the church. Quite strange, isn't it, that man at midnight will be knocking on the door of the church. And strangely enough, modern man is in the quest for three loaves, and it is spiritual bread. First bread of faith, modern man is so often a faithless being. Two, bread of hope, modern man has lost hope in the future and in his destiny. Number three, bread of love, modern man has to learn to love and replace his hate. That the world would be knocking on the door of the church at midnight. A couple of uh, Monday nights ago, uh, my family had uh, Monday night football on and I'd come out of uh, the room and into it and I saw this image of an ambulance on the field and I made the comment, not knowing that it was a comment reverberated around the nation, the NFL nation, I've never seen this before. An ambulance on the field to take away Buffalo Bills uh, player, Damar Hamlin. But look in the background of the ambulance. When has the NFL called players to kneel on the field and pray? That's, That's the response. Of all the things they could be doing, this was the response of the NFL. Well, might you say that was just these players involved in this particular game? Not to be the case. This past Monday night, images all around the nation at all the NFL games was this. All players starting, this is the Steelers and the Browns, they're starting their game, as Dr. King would say, they got to their midnight hour and the NFL knocked on the door of the church. That image, maybe we've never seen. But that's what happens when people get to their midnight hour and many of those don't know Jesus and they knocked on the door of the church. So if you are tracking with me, uh, you realize that uh, Steph and I have another house to buy because we moved to North Carolina. (laughs) So... uh, We're a couple of months away from my starting date here at at New Hope, and I'm at home in Chicago, and I go on to whatever the website is, realtor.com, whatever, and uh, I find the house. 
I, I, I find the house, all right? That was lost on you for a moment. I found the house. I pray as well, all right? I found the house. So uh, it's in Hogan Lake in Chapel Hill. I don't know if anyone lives in Hogan Lake, but God bless you. I, I don't know the area, but I'm just like, I want that house. This is the house for us. And uh, I get the realtor to do a virtual tour. I'm like, we're golden, let's, let's get into negotiations. And I am praying and praying and praying for this house. This is a house we could live in for a long, long time. This is a house that's um, in the area of New Hope and, and, and this is an area we could call home. And, uh, and I am praying and praying and we start negotiating and I can't come to terms, you know, agree with terms with the, with the owner. And I'm like, that's fine. God has told me this is our house. This is gonna be our house. And for a month, I go back and forth with the realtor and their realtor trying to come to terms and we couldn't come to terms. So I said, all right, God's told me this is our house. Let's just get in the car and do a road trip from Chicago to Chapel Hill. And so we did. We loaded up the car and we just drove cross country and came to Chapel Hill. We arrived here on, on a Saturday and organized the realtor to take us to the house. And we went through the house and I'm like, this is our house. I don't know how this is gonna get done, but this is our house. And my two kids and my wife standing in the house, in the living room of the house, it's our house, it's the house, they look at me and the three of them in unison say, Dad, this is not our house. We're, we're, we're in scriptures about the head of the home, all right? So we go back to the hotel and I'm in a not so good mood. So I say, all right, let's speak to the realtor, find us like five homes tomorrow afternoon, Sunday afternoon, we'll go to five homes, right? I am so not in it. I am so not in it, right? I'm driving, but I'm not in this at all, right? Well, we go through these five houses Sunday afternoon and not one of them feels like it has the favour of God for our family. And now we are four weeks away from my start date at New Hope and I start petitioning God with a little bit of attitude, <laughs> right? You know the timing, God. Need I remind you, my family needs a home. <laughs> At this church, you've called me to, blah, 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 right? <laughs> Trying to like, you know, bolster my arguments. <laughs> so we go back to the hotel and we get all the pizza that we can eat and just try and eat our emotions, right? And just, and it's getting late and Steph says, we need to contend for this. We're in this small hotel room, the four of us, and my wife starts saying, we need to petition God with a fervency. He knows the home he has for us. We need to go before God with desperation. And so as a family, we just started to pray and it got later and later until finally my wife got the laptop, she put it on her knee and she, uh, she, she prayed another prayer. 
And she opened the laptop and she typed in the zip code and a house came up that we had never seen before. At 10 a.m. Monday morning, we drove up to that house and as we approached that house, my son pointed to it and he said, that's a 10 out of 10. When we pulled into the driveway, my whole family said, this is our home. We hadn't even gone in yet. That house is our midnight knock house. It is my favorite house in all of the houses that we have had. I love it more than the first house that Steph pointed to and that we just asked God for. I love it more than our Chicago house. It was a powerful move of God when we were seeking him. But this house, this house, this house came because we were prepared to go to midnight and have our midnight hour with God and say, we are desperate, God. For your will in our lives, would you provide us with the favour of God for our family in this house? And as we stood at that door, that prayer door at midnight, and we knocked on that door, Scripture says, and the door will be open. Many of you are listening to me right now going, oh, I've come to my midnight door. Why has God not answered me yet? Why does Scripture say, like, ask and, and you will receive? We, we haven't received. Why does it say if you seek God, you'll find Him? We've been seeking God. Why have we not found Him? Because you haven't persevered to get to your midnight hour, to get in front of that door. That door is the door you need to knock on. That's the promise of God, that He will open your midnight door. Some things only are released from your loving Heavenly Father when you persevere in prayer. You see, God is revealing Himself at every stage of prayer. Every single stage. He's present at every stage. He's just doing something different in your life at every stage of prayer. Teaching you perseverance, teaching you what it means to say no to the instant gratification of this world and of our culture for an easy solution, for an easy answer. He's calling you to persevere. Pastor John Tyson says, he is good, he's not angry, he is for you, he's not disappointed in you. The number one issue that is at war in your heart is the goodness of God. Paul writes in Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Amen? Amen. Would you grab uh, your communion elements if you didn't receive them on your way in? Just slip up your hand, the ushers will get them to you. And if you're able to with your elements, if you would stand to your feet. Pastor Tim Keller writes of about a time when he remembers being a student at a graduate school. He anxiously approached a well-known speaker after a lecture who seemed distracted as he greeted other students with careless pleasantries. Keller, however, was able to mention that he knew a friend of his. When Keller said the name, he immediately snapped to attention and spoke to him with warmth and interest. Keller got this kind of access to him, not 
in his own name, but in the name of a mutual friend. That is a very dim hint of how we access God the Father, because we know Jesus. Because we are in Christ, God focuses his almighty love and attention as we pray. So with that, would you reveal the bread? Jesus said, when you eat this, remember me. Let us eat and remember. He took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. When you drink this, remember me. Let us drink and remember. Father in heaven, we acknowledge your love for us in sending Jesus that we may come to you, we may have access to you because we know Jesus, because we are in Christ. Father, thanks for moving us from ask, seek and knock that you would disciple us in prayer, that we may know you and know your heart. And so God, I take this moment to pray for those here today who are contending with passion and fervency for the movement of God and the breakthrough of God in their lives. Father, would you hear their prayers that they may ask, seek and knock, that they will receive, that they will find and the door will be open. We pray this in your precious name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I wanna close us with a benediction prayer that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. prayed. Forgive us for what we could have been but failed to be. Give us the intelligence to know thy will. Give us the courage to do thy will. Give us the devotion to love thy will. In the name and the spirit of Jesus we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen.